looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Today we're going to conclude a four-part series on letting the whole world know. We've been going through John chapter 17 and really picking out some outstanding principles about letting the whole world know. You know, living without priorities, I've been told, is often like perhaps being a sailor on a ship without a compass or maybe driving your car but not knowing where you're going or building a building without having plans. So if you don't have priorities, it kind of makes life useless And there are a lot of people today that they have priorities, but they're not the biblical priorities. And so their lives are always spinning someplace, and they never feel totally satisfied with that. And so they end up living their life, and at the end of it, they either wasted their life completely, and you know some that have really done that. Then there are those that have spent their lives. They've done good things for a fellow man, but when they died, they didn't go to heaven. So they did spend their life. They didn't waste their life. But then there's a few who've chosen to invest their life. That would be something that they give that keeps on giving for all eternity. And some people say, well, what would I know to do to be able to invest it rather than spend it? I really believe it's easy to answer that question because whatever lasts the longest should really get the most amount of our time. That which lasts the least, we spend the least amount of our time. So what then will last for all eternity? If I could reduce it down to two simple commodities, I think the first one obviously would be this. The Word of God lasts forever. No matter what happens to this world, the Word of God will always remain. So that's why it's important to give my highest priority of time. Knowing this book, being able to speak it and preach it, share it with others, defend it even to death, because this lasts forever right here. This is the most important truth I can learn. And then secondly, I believe people, because people will exist forever. Long after you and I might physically die, we have a soul and a spirit, and our soul and the spirit will exist, either forever in heaven or horribly separated from God in a place called hell. So if I was to invest my life, not just spend it doing good things or waste it on frivolities, I want to invest it in the Word of God, and I want to invest it in adding value to other people. Now, there was someone who had that philosophy, and he got it early in life, like many of the young people are doing right here in our church. He grew up with great athletic ability and he became a great sports star. His name was Bobby Richardson, late in the 50s and the early 60s. He played second base for the World Series champions, the New York Yankees, especially in their heyday. He is the only MVP player of a World Series team that lost the World Series. He was that good. Yet this guy could not hit very well, but he was the most outstanding defensive player. In fact, Casey Single said this about Bobby Richardson, a great man of God. He said, Bobby Richardson, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he doesn't cuss, he doesn't chew, he doesn't run around with loose women, but he also doesn't bat over 280. But the point is, is that Bobby Richardson's life was so different that everybody recognized that it was so. Well, Bobby Richardson had a, perhaps, what you might call a motto for his life that has been spoken of quite a lot. His motto was so real on investing in that which lasts forever, the Word of God in other people for the glory of God. And here's what it was. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. 
that is so rich and so deep that it'd be something that all of us ought to own. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. Unfortunately, the world has taken that same philosophy that Bobby Richardson has and they twisted it this way. And they would say it like this. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done. Excuse me. Only one life will soon be passed, so let's live it up and have a blast. And the problem is, is that their life will be passed. They'll look back and it'll be a blast, but it will not count for eternity. And so this morning's message really has two views in mind. I know I'm speaking in front of you in an audience on the radio and maybe on the internet, but I'm speaking it before the Lord. And I'm speaking to a group of people, first of all, for those of you who know Christ as Savior. So the primary audience right now is to help you and me understand that we ought to give our life for other people to come to faith alone in Jesus Christ, letting the whole world know. But there's also a second part, and that would be to a group of people that's part of the world, that might be you, that isn't certain of going to heaven when they die. We care about you. You have value. You were in God's mind before you were ever born. You have purpose. But we also want you to know that you have an eternal existence, either in heaven or in hell. And we want to bring you that wonderful message of grace so you can have everlasting life by faith alone. So today's message is to help us remember our responsibility in taking to you, out of all the things we could give to you or say to you, that one message that would help you understand how you can go to heaven when you die and have an eternal relationship with Him. Well, we talked a lot about how to make the gospel clear. We talked a lot about how to have the character of Christ when we share the gospel. We even talked about praying and the involvement of reaching out to others by bathing one another with prayer. But today I want to ask and then answer a question that is often plaguing the minds of many Christians. And that is, if I give my life to Christ to get the message of salvation out to those that are lost, will I get results? Will it be worth it all? Will I see results in my life? There could be some of you that have tried to give out the gospel and you probably have maybe not led someone to the Lord and you think, I've done so much and I just don't see some results. So I want to simply answer the question, will I see results if I let the whole world know? I'm going to tell you unequivocally, you will see results. It is true. You will not perhaps lead everyone to the Lord that you speak with. But I can promise you that if you are out there planting the seed of the gospel correctly, clearly, compassionately, courageously, consistently, and concisely, that you will see results. And so I'm going to answer three questions in today's message from John 17 and a few other passages of Scripture. So let's look at question number one. Why will I see results? That's the most important. If I'm telling you that you will see results, why will you see results? The answer is simple. Jesus Christ himself promised that you as a Christian would see results. Look at verse 20. It says, those who will believe in me. He was talking about those in the future who will believe in Christ. So there will be people who will come to faith in Christ. Since there will be people that will come to faith in Christ, you could be on the front end of, the one, of that, of sharing with them that precious message of salvation, and they will come to faith in Christ, which means that you will see results. The real issue, though, is it's a difficult task of sharing the gospel. And some people, they start out with a bang. The night, as I told you last week, that I trusted Christ as my Savior, I went home and I told my dad, hey, dad, 
I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. And you know, we danced around that dining room table and it took me years before my dad came to faith in Christ. And so I'm going to tell you that there's going to be times that you're going to start sharing the message. People are going to ask you questions that you won't know the answer to. Pretty soon people are going to push back against you because of your changed life and your verbal witness for Christ. And Satan is only doing that to try to break your will, to break your spirit, to get you to a point that you will either shut your mouth, muddy your message, or wreck your life. So you will be useless for the Lord. You will have that pushback and it will be difficult. But let me remind you that no matter how difficult it might be, that if you stay in it faithfully, the power of God in use, you will see results. Look, if you will, at Galatians 6, 9. It says this, And let us not grow weary in well-doing or doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'm going to tell you that I have been following the story, the true story, of the 33 miners that are nearly a mile underground in the Chilean cave, we might call it, in that mine. Have you not been following it? How that they thought those 33 miners were dead until they were able to drill a hole large enough to drop a little bit of what we might call a microphone down there to be able to see that the men were alive down there. And then feverishly, teams came together to drop three larger shafts to those men. It has taken not one day, not one week, not one month, They're up on two months drilling through all of this hard rock to be able to drop a capsule down there that looks like a vitamin tablet so they could put a man in there and then bring him up and it'll take at least an hour to bring those men up if they can do that. The good news is one of the three shafts made it. I am so glad that none of those guys that were drilling down to those 33 miners decided to quit after the first hour, the first day, the first week, the first month, and they stayed with it. And no one is more happier that they stayed with it than those miners. And all I can help is that there are people in our sphere of influence that might have pushed back against us, but we're going to continue smiling and drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling. Now, I don't mean hammering and trying to force God on them, but we're going to stay in the midst of things because we know that beating inside their chest is a soul that still needs Jesus Christ as their Savior. But if you want to know, why is it so difficult? Well, we could probably spend weeks on all the reasons it is difficult for us to stay faithful at giving the gospel. But from this passage, I've just selected five. Here's the first one. Because really, the world hates Christians. Those of you that have decided to go public with your faith, you've already found quite quickly that the world will, at the most, tolerate you for a brief moment. And then after that, they begin to marginalize you. And finally, they begin to persecute you in some measure. John 17 says this. Jesus speaking, I have given them your word, talking about God the Father's word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Why do you think the world doesn't want what we want? Because somehow Satan has used people in positions of influence, like late night comedians, politicians, and others, to paint Christianity with a, with a stroke that makes us a bunch of buffoons that are out there. The only tragedy with all of that is salt and pepper amidst all these buffoons are some pretty good authentic Christians that have really blown it only for the world to magnify it worse. So we have this going against us. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what the world wants to do against Christians, I am so glad that the Christian who brought me the message after I mocked her in school, she never gave up. I hated Christians. 
I mock Christians for who they were and what they were and what they did and how weird they were. But that person said, you can push back against me, but I'm still going to move forward in my faithfulness to give you the gospel. So while the, watch this, while the world hates us because they're really hating Christ, let's love them because God loves them. And I'll tell you, love will always overrule hatred. Here's the second root. Second is because the world is blinded to the truth. I want you to look at this verse. It's a very powerful verse with a section in here that will really speak to us. It says this, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, those who don't know Christ as Savior, they can't really understand the gospel yet. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Would you circle that? Because that's referring to Satan. That would be God's arch enemy. So Satan has blinded the minds of your friends and family who don't know Christ. So it goes on to say, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now listen very carefully, folks. I do not want you to think that the message that's out there of other religions is anemic and weak. It is extremely powerful. The message of the Muslim faith is very powerful. How do I know so? There are so many more Muslims in the world than there are Christians. When you go into the various cults, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses or whether it's the Mormons, that message is incredibly powerful because it's so easy to dupe and enslave those who would want to believe it. And it too is growing for the most part. And we could talk about all different kinds of isms and spasms and religions. And I certainly don't want to denigrate the people. It's just what they're hearing is not true. Now why am I saying that that message is so incredibly powerful? It's because that message has been designed, propagated, generated by Satan himself, who is far more powerful than you and I are. And so now you have Satan concocting these messages to blind the minds of the unsaved, so you've got an incredible power source that's coming against you. That's why it's so difficult for you to take the message of grace to a world that has been driven by Satan and all of his power and his, his message. Now that I say that, let's put that up against the backdrop of the gospel. No matter how powerful Satan is, and he is, or how powerful the message is that's wrong, the message of the gospel is generated and has its source in God himself who is ultimately more powerful than Satan. And his message is more powerful than Satan. So now we do have the truth and we can lovingly stay strong in still giving the message because the word of God is like a hammer that can break. It's like a fire that can consume. It is the truth that can break down the walls of those people that have minds that have been blinded to the light of the glorious gospel. So your power doesn't have to be in your ability to communicate, the style of the method that you necessarily use, but just so you use God's word, especially the gospel part of it, to the person who doesn't know the Lord, because that's where your power source is. And you can rest assured that your message is infinitely more powerful than their message. Here's the third reason it's difficult, and that's because of the condition of God's people. Now, I don't want to beat up on our own brothers and sisters, and I certainly don't want to shoot our own troops as they're out there. But I think that all of us would realize that there are many Christians today that are weak in themselves because they're easily distracted, and unfortunately, there are few Christians that are out there. There's a desperate need for Christians, and perhaps even in our own faith family, that finally come to the point that we have been placed here on planet earth until the day we go to heaven to be a verbal and a living witness of the glory of God to those who don't know Christ as Savior. And we would claim like the prophet, all right, Lord, here am I. 
you send me. And I'd like to quickly say, you don't have to wait for the Lord to call you so you can respond, here am I, send me. Every one of us is underneath God's wonderful blanket to go out to share the gospel with other people. And I pray that we would do that. I pray that each one of us would go one step further in our reaching the lost world. I'm going to ask you a question, and it's not to put you under any guilt. It's for perhaps you're at the doctor's office and the spiritual doctor is going to take your temperature for just a moment just so that you might personally self-evaluate. Are you ready? So scoot the toes underneath the chair. A good question to ask yourself would be this in finding out what is your condition in sharing the gospel and how you're doing. Here it is. When was the last time you went nose to nose, eye to eye, and toes to toes with someone where you got into the message of the gospel completely and actually brought that person to a decision. Now, I didn't say they trusted Christ, but brought them to that point. Now, I'll quickly say you cannot do that with everyone, and perhaps maybe not every single day will you go that far. But the question is, though, how far did you get with the gospel intentionally to help them come to faith in Christ? When I was in school, they used the old phrase, probe them with the gospel. Now, was it this morning when you got gas or picked up some, some maybe a Big Mac or something? Was it yesterday? Was it the week before? When was the last time that you personally got into it? So now that substantiates the issue. The reason it's so difficult to reach the world is because the condition of people were just not doing it. Now, it's easy to say, well, I think about it and I want to and occasionally I might put a track in an envelope and if it's a great function, I'll invite them to church. I want to celebrate all of that because unfortunately there are Christians that don't even go that far. But at the same time, isn't it about time that we might grow a little bit, stretch ourselves, be a little bit more um, intentional in our loving witness to try to go a little bit further with others? Well, the condition of God's people does make it difficult. Sometimes we do feel like we're all alone. And let's not be that way. Satan would love to muddy up our message, mess up our life, so we wouldn't be faithful to him, to the Lord. All right, number four. The fourth reason is because our message appears foolish. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, we've spoke to that issue already, but again, I just want you to remember that the world will always try to make you feel foolish for what you believe. How can this man die a bloody death on a cross? How can all that stuff say? How can you believe a book that's so filled with air in here? And how do those millions and gazillions of animals fit on that itsy bitsy teeny weeny ark? They'll do anything they can to make you and this message appear foolish so that they then don't have to encounter the depth of the truth of it or to find out the reality of it is they're under condemnation if they don't trust Christ. They're under liberation and freedom and eternal life when they do trust Christ as their Savior. So it will appear foolish to them, but that's okay. How many times have we shared truth with others about other issues that at the time it sounded a little squirrely, but often they got it and all of a sudden, wow, I got that. Nothing's more better than the word of God. And finally, because the opportunities to let the whole world know would be great, and it is great. I mentioned to you often the times that Carol and I are encouraged and, and released to go on these mission trips, and we go to, yeah, remote areas, but to get to those remote areas, we land in airports that are just teeming with people that by far we feel like we might be the only Christian there. And as we look at these people, we think, how many of them are lost? How do you even break the language barrier? How do you even explain who Christ is who never even heard of the name Christ, let alone what he's done on the cross? How do you do that? How do you do that when you go to a big stadium here at a football game and you see thousands of people 
people watching the game that still don't know Christ. How do you reach? It seems like it's so big. And I'm going to tell you, it's like eating an apple. How do you eat an apple, everyone? One bite at a time. You feel like sometimes you're a mosquito in a nudist camp. Where do I begin? I forget that illustration, but you got my point. Don't give up, people. Please don't give up. Stay with it. Dr. Edmund, who taught at Wheaton College, that produced Billy Graham and the five martyred missionaries, he used to teach his students this very profound statement. It is always too soon to quit. So stay with it. Don't give up on that person. Don't give up praying. Don't give up living the separated, wonderful life of grace. Don't give, don't give up on loving that person. And don't give up on giving them the message. Listen, listen, listen. When they put up a lighthouse over a harbor, they do it because there are rocks and the ships that are coming into that harbor could crash. When the seas are calm and it's plenty bright out there, who cares about looking at some lighthouse? Nobody does. But you get it real dark and the seas are boisterous and the ship could crash. What do you think is going to be the first thing that captain is going to look for in that storm, that lighthouse? But the problem is with lighthouses with some people is that we, we're on when everything is good, but then we get, nobody's looking at us, nobody really cares, it really doesn't matter, you know, so forget that little flicker of flame along all that mirrors to be able to broadcast it out. Let me just go on to sleep. Nobody cares about my job as that lighthouse keeper. Only to have that storm come up. And may I tell you, it's not only important that you shine all the time faithfully, but it's important that you keep your glass clean, a clean and close and pure life. Because when that storm hits, those ships are going to look for you at a far off distance. Why? Because they remember that during those calm days that you were there faithful. So those friends of yours that you keep lovingly sharing the gospel and everything is fine with them, they don't need Christ, they care, hardly care about you, they like you as long as you don't bring up Christ, that's all right. But when God takes their life and causes a storm in that life, who do you think will be the first person that they'll look to? Watch this. The person who loved them no matter what and the person who knew the truth because they knew you went through a storm and you survived, they'll come to you. So that's why you have to be so faithful at giving that message. There will be results and Jesus promised it. Second question is what is the basis for seeing results? You heard about it this morning, but it's really God's grace and salvation. You know, in this passage of Scripture, you're going to find the word gift there because the word gift and grace come from the same Greek word, so gift and grace kind of go together. So what are the three different grace gifts that are mentioned in John 17? The first one is the Father's love gift to the world. God gave to the world His Son, Jesus Christ. That is God's gift to your friends. Look at the verse. It says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I finished the work which you have given me to do. So the gift of God is going to be Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The gift of God is Jesus Christ, eternal life. That's God's gift. And God has given it to the world. We will see results. And it's found in grace. I'll talk about that in a moment. Here's the second gift. This is the son's love gift to the world. So God gave the son, but Jesus gave his life. And when he gave his life attached to that was eternal life now to those who had believed. So he gave his life, but he also gave eternal life who all receive him. And so that's the important thing. 
And look at the verse. It says, As you, God the Father, have given him, God the Son, Christ, authority over all flesh, that he, God the Son, should give eternal life to as many as given him. And then number three, the Father's love gift to the Son. This one is often not spoken of. It's almost so mystical, it's hard to understand, but it is so poignant. Here it is. God gave his Son. Christ then gave us eternal life. Now here's what God does. God says, because my Son gave his life and eternal life to others... I'm going to give to my son everyone who's trusted Christ as Savior. So Jesus gave his life, and so God says, Look at these people. You died for those people. Look what you've done. Now I'm going to give all those people that you have now saved as a gift back to you for what you've done for them. Now I want you to know that is grace. Now, why is that important that you'll see results? Because of this very reason. No matter who your family is or friends are, no matter how bad they are, no matter what their religiosity might be, God's grace says that you are saved not by works of righteousness, but according to his grace. That means, here it is, anyone can make it into heaven. So that means you will see results because it is so easy. Not easy believism, but it is so easy because all it takes is faith. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.